One day we wore our pajamas, which wasn't a stretch. Welcome to Onward, a podcast series from the Pike School Advancement Team. Today, how Pike teachers are solving challenges in a COVID world and how the Pike Fund is helping. Yeah, Pike teachers are pretty much superheroes. Pretty much. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are so glad you're here. I'm Rod Boyer, Director of Advancement at the Pike School. And I'm Rod Sidekick, Elizabeth Fitzsimons, Associate Director of Advancement here at Pike. Almost sounded like you said psychic. If you can't tell, we're very excited. We're very excited. Over the next four episodes, we're going to give you an insider's view of what it's like at the Pike School now. And how we're adapting to all the challenges this year is bringing. We'll take a look at challenges, successes, what's happening now, and what's coming next. And how the Pike Fund is making it all possible. So today, we'll explore the front lines of teaching in 2020. Yeah, and Elizabeth, then the next episode is devoted to non-Sibby soul. Our third episode is going to be focused on maintaining student and teacher health and well-being in these tough times, which is a big topic for everyone. It is, and then we'll end up with an exploration of strategic thinking at Pike. We hope that you will continue to tune in. It's going to be awesome. All right, let's get started. What's first? Well, I sat down with Christine Edis. She is a new teacher this year at Pike, right? Exactly. She's currently teaching fifth grade to one of our off-campus learning cohorts. She's been really focused on building connections among the OCL students in her classroom. That is a challenge, I'm sure. It is, but wait till you hear how she's addressing it. Let's listen. From your perspective, what has been the biggest challenge for you and or for your students? Yeah, so uh, when I first learned that this is what I was going to be doing, um, the whole idea of it really felt like a challenge, but in a really positive way that, you know, how could we learn from the things um, that we experienced last year in the spring? And then how could we really make this like an amazing experience for students where it wasn't just sort of quickly trying to pull everything together? But how could we really build a community and a classroom um, where everybody felt connected, where they felt seen and felt heard? And so that was really what I took as like the main mission of this was making sure that we started there. Um, and I, I feel so lucky in that Pike provided these amazing resources for me. So I got to spend some of my time this summer um, taking a workshop through Harvard on like how to develop strategies for students um, who are learning online. And then really their, their focus was how can you build that community and how can you build those social connections? So that's really where I started and that was what I wanted to kind of be my primary focus. Talk about that challenge of building community. What are some of the ways you're addressing that as a teacher? Yeah, so um, I tell my students that, 
you know, we're going to make sure we laugh every day, um, that we're going to provide lots of opportunity for everybody to share. Um, so our morning meeting, which is what we do every morning for 30 minutes, is like really our time to laugh and to play. We do different activities. The kids are sharing things about themselves, about their uh, weekends, whatever it might be. Um, and so that's a, a way where they really feel seen and heard. Um, and then I told them from the get-go that, like, this is something no one has ever done before, that we're pioneers in this. And so I've given them tremendous choice around the things that we're doing and making sure that they have sort of ownership of the things that we're studying. And so that just, like, raises a level of investment for them because they feel like they have some control. Um, and, if, and, and it gives a new kind of purpose to it. Um, and then um, another thing is just like prioritizing the student connections, whether it's with me or with each other. So we've done certain things like we have lunch groups, they get to invite a friend. So I'll choose someone, they invite a friend one day. One day we just have everybody can join. We have like a theme Friday where, you know, one day we wore our pajamas, which wasn't a stretch, <laughs> you know, have your crazy hair day or whatever it is. So just things like that where we're just kind of getting to have windows into each other's worlds and get to know each other in different ways, and then they feel more connected to me and to each other. So have there been resources that have been particularly helpful to you? I know you mentioned um, Harvard and the professional development you did, but have there been other resources that have really allowed you to do this in the way that you envisioned? Yeah, so um, so obviously technology has been a huge piece of this. Um, and both high-tech and low-tech. So I have this wonderful setup that Pike has given me where I have a monitor and I have a document camera and all these tools where, because you're trying to have a classroom online and there's, you know, the students need to really be able to, like, see me solving a math problem in order for them to really understand how to break it down and solve it themselves. So, you know, the, this, this challenge of, like, how can they do that when it's over Zoom? And so Pike has been fabulous about getting me all this tech. So I have this whole setup now which really, like, enables me to show them lots of things in different ways. Um, and then um, for me, there was a priority around making sure, you know, in the spring last year, kids didn't really have access to all the materials that they needed. So um, we've been making sure that they have things, like especially the books that they need. So having kids have, make sure that they have lots of texts that are appropriate for them, that they're interested in, um, and so they can moving, be moving through real books and not just always reading online. So, um, so that's been another resource that's been huge, and students have been so appreciative of that. How, how are your students responding to this? How are they dealing with learning online and the, these challenges? Um, from my perspective, they're doing beautifully. I mean, I've been so impressed, and I've been you know, sharing with their parents that like, they are just blowing me away every day. Um, a, with the amazing level of thinking that they're capable of doing. Um, and, you know, we're thinking about complex topics, whether it be in social studies or science or the literature that we're reading, and they're demonstrating just amazing thinking. Um, but also, they're just they're, the level of investment that they're bringing to it has been just incredible. And I think some of that is a part of the fact that they've been given a lot of choice. So we're, we're doing this thing this year where... They're doing something called an independent interest investigation, which is sort of based off of Google's Genius Hour, this idea of like that students can spend a part of their time studying anything that they want. So they've chosen a topic of interest, and then they've developed sort of a question that's related to a problem around that that they're investigating. 
and they have come up with the most amazing things. I mean, it's so much more sophisticated and fascinating than anything I could have ever come up with and told them to study. And then they ask me every day, when are we doing this? When can we do more? I've already, I'm doing research in my free time. Like, I can't wait to do this more. So that's just been so amazing that they're so interested in, and um, invested in the work that we're doing. So I think they're doing beautifully. And, and they're laughing and they're smiling and they're, they're not wanting to turn their cameras off. They want to stay on during lunch and chat and do silly backgrounds and just play. So that, that I feel like, is a good sign, too. Fabulous. Yeah, you can really sense her level of energy and excitement about her students and their learning. It's pretty infectious. I know. I wanted to be in her class. <laughs> do you think you'd do well? Mm, let's just say uh, no comment. <laughs> okay. On that note, let's move on. Please. Um, I sat down with Liz Venetiu. She is our school's speech and debate teacher, and like Christine, she's got tons of positive energy. Um, she really gave me a sense of all the work that has gone into how teachers have had to reimagine everything about how they teach in this current situation. It's so true. Let's listen. Liz, thank you so much for being here and talking with us. We really appreciate you making the time. Happy to be here. So we are really excited to hear from you about how you are meeting the challenges. So I guess that's a great place to start. Um, I know COVID has meant a lot of alterations and adjustments to how you're teaching and how kids are learning. Do you have any examples of sort of ways that you have had to fundamentally shift your approach and maybe some ways that it worked and some ways it didn't? Um, yes, I do. I've it's good to describe the space that I'm working in because it is so different, especially for people that are familiar with Pike. Instead of teaching in a classroom, I have been given the opportunity to teach in the theater. So all of the classes are on the stage and the students are, of course, six feet apart and masks on. And so that was an initial adjustment, just being in this very large space. Um, I find that the students are happy to do whatever we need to do to be together because they're so happy to be in person. So it really is a fantastic teaching and learning opportunity. One example I can give you of something that I've had to adjust is something we're doing right now in the seventh grade speech class. It's the demonstration project, which normally we go into the makerspace. So students, all the students have access to the same materials and the same tools um, to create something that they then deliver a speech on how they made it or how it can be used. Um, this year, that's not possible because of our safety restrictions. So I partnered with Jennifer Zacharis in the tech department, and she developed little mini kits of materials for students um, that had basic stuff like origami paper and pipe cleaners and glue and scissors. And um, I asked the students to develop something that either brings them joy, solves a problem, or connects people together. And the prompts were intentionally wide open I wanted students to have a creative moment, also a hands-on moment. I suggested they think of prototypes, think of smaller versions, nothing was to scale. And so far it's been a joy to watch them work with the materials six feet apart in their own little space. And the end result of this will be the demonstration speech, which will be a three to five minute pitch on why their object is uh, so useful and why other people should 
use it as well. I love that your prompts are so nicely tied to the way that we're thinking about getting kids through COVID too, right? Something that you said brings them joy. Um, Solves a problem or connects people. Right, and those are the things that we are all trying so hard to do right now. Find connections, solve these crazy problems. So one student, uh, a dedicated speech student wants to develop something that lets you know if you're swaying while you're giving a speech so you're not moving unconsciously. And um, another student wants to develop something that connects people together so he has like, these little stick figures and ways that they can connect even if they're six feet apart. And um, I, I've just begun to see the, to the see the ideas, but it's, it's just fun. It's a really interesting example of sort of the mindset that you're seeing among your students to adapting to all of this. Can you talk about that? I, I know it was on the faculty's minds, probably the administration too, but my, in my conversations with faculty prior to the start of school, we were um, aware that some students struggled during home-based learning and that that was a challenge for a number of us for different reasons, and we didn't know what the fall was going to look like. I can tell you that from day one, it, it was such a joy to be with the students, and I was just blown away by their resilience and by their willingness to show up in whatever capacity they need to in order to be together. They were so happy to be in the same space. Um, that lasted for quite some time and then they realized like, oh, we have academic work to do too. <laughs> it's, not, it's not just about showing up. So they, they adapted to the changes pretty well and now that we're like much deeper into the first term in upper school and they're really starting to find their way and then it's becoming much more focused on the, the teaching of the curriculum and helping students academically in addition to everything else. Whereas initially it was keep your mask on, sanitize your hands, six feet apart, this is, this is how we're gonna do this. But the, I've, the students are a joy. They've just been really um, adaptable and resilient and authentic and um, just a pleasure to be around. I sometimes feel like through all of this we're learning that kids are so much more adaptable than we thought and in many cases so much more adaptable than grown-ups. Yes, <laughs> it's true. It was initially disorienting for many faculty because none of us are in the same spaces. Like everything had to be completely reconfigured and reimagined in order to follow the rules and now we're all settling in but the students, they, um, I, they adapted to the change very quickly. Um, as you have been moving through this fall and maybe even just getting ready for the fall over the summer, because I know that the summer was very different mm -hmm. for, for all of you teachers, um, were there resources that you found really helpful? Professional development resources, learning resources, anything that's been sort of helping you navigate all of this as a teacher? Yeah, um, well we did do a number of, uh, the faculty did some online um, professional development that was helpful because that's one thing about this being a worldwide pandemic is that we are not the only educators that are experiencing these challenges and many teachers share their resources. So there's a number of things that we found online and organizations that we worked with. I will tell you though, my favorite resource is actually other Pike teachers and any chance that we got a, a, a you know, moment to connect um, and work with each other was a help. So being the coach for the team, can you talk about how they're competing? Are they competing? We are competing. We will have, I know, um, we've decided on virtual tournaments for the entire year. Initially, um, 
some people were suggesting like maybe we can do virtual at first and then do in person later and frankly nobody knows what the spring is going to look like so we just decided to do virtual throughout the year the first tournament will be in early december for returning students and then novices will get an opportunity in january here at pike the uh, interest of, with both returning students and novice students is very robust i wasn't sure if they were going to be able to or want to do speech team this year in this capacity because it's so different and many students enjoy performing in front of a live audience. Um, but I had even more novices interview to join the team than previous years. And I have a, a great number of returning students that, are come, that have come back and are ready to work. So it's taking us a little while to get off the ground, but um, speech, speech, the speech goes on, as I say, <laughs> the speech goes on. That has always been one of my favorite things about speech team because I believe that speech and debate competition, and for us it's just speech, is broad enough and wide enough that for some students just showing up to the tournament and doing their speech is competition enough. And for other students, they want to compete and do better and go all the way to nationals, and we've had national champions. So I love it that for some students it's a big enough deal just to give the speech, and for other students they really want to reach for it, and we have space for all of those students and that they get to decide what a win is for them and they get to decide what the goal is for them and I do my best to help them reach it. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and thank you for everything that you are doing both to help your, your students and also to make sure that the speech goes on. <laughs> thank you, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Wow, that was amazing. Liz is really great. And like we heard with Christine, there's so much thoughtfulness about how to teach in the face of some pretty big obstacles. Yeah, the teachers really touched on some important resources that allow them, them to, to pull off this magic trick. Absolutely, and that's where the Pike Fund comes in, doesn't it? It does. The Pike Fund allows us to meet the demands of teaching and learning in really innovative ways. And to be flexible in our thinking so that, at the end of the day, the heart of Pike remains. Let's take a minute, Elizabeth, to talk or to get specific about how the Pike Fund has been part of our problem solving this fall. <laughs> sure. Well, here's one big example, hiring more teachers like Christine Ennis. Yeah, that has been a big commitment from Pike. The campus-based learning program needed more teachers to minimize cross-contamination. Yeah, because more space for each student means fewer students in a classroom, which means more teachers. <laughs> That's right. Plus, we wanted to ensure that we had reliable substitute teachers who weren't working in other schools. That's right, because that risks more exposure to our students and staff. For off-campus learning, we know the effectiveness of teaching is a function of connections. Christine talked about that. She did, absolutely. And, and so, it's really important that online learners have access to teachers. Again, that meant making sure we had enough teachers to meet the needs of our students and their families who opted for off-campus learning. Here's another example. Regardless of whether it was off-campus learning or campus-based learning, ensuring our teachers have professional development to support the new ways of teaching and learning they need was essential. Yeah, you, you heard both teachers talk about that and, and the ways that connection and shared problem solving can be such powerful tools. They can be, but they take time and resources to make that happen. For sure. 
When I think about the Pike uh, Fund this fall, I also think about safeguarding our students. Oh my gosh, yes. And that could be as simple as requiring masks or as complex as our recent launching of COVID testing for all faculty, staff, and students who are on campus. And for off-campus students, it means we're creating materials packets and mailing them out in some cases so that parents don't have to worry about coming to campus. We're also able to provide resources for students and teachers through our counseling office as well. And all of these solutions and pivots create extraordinary demands for our teachers. They do, and they come along with a sizable cost. Yes, and public service announcement alert. That means the Pike Fund is more important than ever. <laughs> I like your public service announcement. <laughs> we mentioned that the faculty at Pike are superheroes. Well, they have a sidekick. And its name is the Pike Fund. I like it. The Pike Fund's kind of like a superhero. Yes, it is. Its superpower is funding innovation and flexibility. Rod, what do you think the Pike Fund's superhero name should be? Um, Captain Possibility? I think we should call it Super Fund. Uh, <laughs> Captain Community. <laughs> Solution Woman. Uh, these are terrible ideas. They're terrible ideas. <laughs>